this morning. As we gather together, I invite us to relax uh, for just a few moments together as we enter the presence of God. Uh, Take time to remind yourself why we're here today. Uh, Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. When we're still, we can listen when God speaks, even though the background noise of the world is ever-present. Let's listen today. Pray with me. Lord God, in a short time together, open our ears and our eyes to see your vision for this place and our part in it. Teach us, hear our prayers, and enable us for service wherever you may take us. To your praise and glory. Amen. If you're able, we invite you to stand. We're going to sing together our opening hymn, What Gift Can We Bring? Go ahead and have a seat. Was that a new song for you? (laughs) Well, congratulations. You learned something today. Uh, Good morning. I want to welcome all of you again to Redeemer this morning. Uh, It's an important day in the life of our congregation. We call this Consecration Weekend, Um, but it is a culmination of just a few weeks that we do every spring in which we teach what the Bible says about managing the financial resources that God has given to each of us. And then, as we will, uh, a little bit later in the service today, we'll be asking those of you who are members and friends of regular attenders to Redeemer to complete a commitment card 
You should have received one like this in the mail. Um, if you haven't, they're on the seats uh, near you today as well. Um, but it, And we're inviting you to make a, a commitment to this local church for the coming year as you are able to do that. We'll be celebrating Holy Communion uh, this morning as well, but we want you to know that most of all, we are grateful for you and for your generosity all year long. Uh, your faithful giving makes lots of ministry happen uh, in this community and uh, throughout the county. Um, there's a connection card also on the seat this morning. If you haven't already, make sure you fill that out and let us know that you're with us today. Uh, appreciate that very much. Um, did all of you get a mailing this uh, last week with a letter and a card? Okay. And if you had not picked up a communion packet, they're available out uh, in the lobby as well. I uh, hope you picked that up as you came in today. Um, you know, to, to really live life as a Christ follower um, means developing a, a heart like God's heart. That's really uh, uh, all about who we are as a Christ uh, follower. It's, it's learning to live a, with a heart of generosity, a heart of gratitude, uh, the ability to admire without the need to acquire. Um, if you uh, brought a, uh, your commitment card with you today, that's great. Um, if not, uh, there are some on the seats, like I said, and I'm inviting uh, you later in this service, uh, we'll have a time when we can invite you to make that commitment if you haven't already. Some of you do that online. Some of you, some of us still like to write it on the card. Uh, Jan and I do. And we'll have a time later in today's service when we invite you to bring, uh, to bring it uh, or to uh, put it in the offering plate as uh, we collect those. Um, but that's a little bit about what's happening today. Um, but I just want you to know that uh, it's been my policy all the time I've been at Redeemer uh, to not badger anyone, uh, to come looking for somebody about their commitment. Uh, uh, giving to God through the local church is always very personal. It's a very personal decision uh, that I hope that you've been praying about, and you'll respond as generously as God leads you to do that. Someone has said that there are three levels of giving. There's those who believe they have to, there's some who believe they ought to, and then there's those who want to. And it's our goal here to, first and foremost, introduce people to Jesus Christ uh, because we believe he's the one who changes lives and to teach what it means to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ and, and get away from the have to and ought to uh, motivations uh, to giving because we want to do that. We want to see good ministry happen in our local communities. Um, I just want you to know that this is an important time, and some people say, why do we have to do this? Um, I want you to put yourself in the place of a finance team, and uh, Don and, and Roger have served um, on that finance team uh, this last couple of years uh, at, at, uh, uh, with uh, some folks at Redeemer uh, DeWitt campus. Uh, Matt is going to be joining uh, that team uh, soon. But I want you to put yourself in, a, in their place um, when they have about a million and a half dollar budget um, to, uh, to, to deal with and uh, to think about, to plan for, to plan all the things that need to happen in this, uh, these two communities. 
and uh, to pay all the bills every week. And, and they're forced to do that sometimes by guessing what church income is going to be. And that's what we've tried to eliminate. And so the, when, if your commitment, um, while it is a faith commitment, uh, is still helpful in helping them to make sure they know what they're able to do across the next year. Um, you know, I know that in every c church community, there are always some individuals or families who make no written commitment. We have some folks who don't like to do that, but they do contribute significantly uh, to the ministry. I think, um, but two, week, two years ago, at least on the DeWitt campus, I think we had about 80 regular families um, who came regularly and, uh, but still made no discernible gift at all to uh, in the course of a year and my point is just simply to say the ministry of the church is supported totally uh, by your gifts each and every week uh, we have no other sources of funding and our finance team has done a tremendous job um, managing um, and stewarding the resources that god has given us so um, but you are the ones who hold the key to the future ministry of this church, and we can only do as much or as little as you support financially. Um, you know, I know personally, I can think of a hundred other uses uh, for the, the money that Jan and I will be pledging this year, and I can think of all kinds of reasons why not to fill out a card, um, but I'm determined not to do that, and uh, Jan and I have always committed ourselves to supporting the church generously uh, it represents our tithe to the local church and over and above our tithe uh, to many of the other special needs and ministries that pop up during the course of the year and the reason we do that is the bible says that one day we're all going to stand before god and give an account of our lives and uh, including our giving to the cause of christ and we're not going to be able to make any excuses on that day we're going to just stand there either with empty hands or we're going to know that we've done all we can for the kingdom of God. And I hope that uh, that is your motivation as well. And uh, it sure motivates us to do uh, our best. So that's kind of what we'll do, what's what this these whole few weeks have been about. And this is the last week for that. We'll collect the cards today. And then we'll report out if you didn't come prepared or you hadn't done that uh, yet, uh, feel free to do that over the next couple of weeks. But uh, then, then uh, you'll hear something different besides a stewardship sermon next week. So anyhow, but thank you uh, for all your uh, blessings and making ministry happen here in this campus. Let's pray together. Almighty God, you are the source of all of life, and you are the giver of all that's good, and we have gathered today to offer you our praise and our thanks. The richness of our lives, when we stop to evaluate it, is more than we can comprehend. We have blessings of joy and hope. We have the opportunity to work in the luxury of time off, and your world is full of wonder and beauty, and we're privileged to share in it. So we're grateful today for your generosity and confess that we often are not the best at returning that generosity. You've given us so much, and we're often slow to share. We're quick to squander your resources. We take so much for granted. Give us a new awareness of your blessings this day so that we will give generously with a joyful spirit. Give us a sense of who we are in Jesus Christ so that we are not corrupted by the world's values. And be pleased with what we consecrate to you in this service and multiply it in ways that will continue 
to fund effective ministry in this community and beyond us. And may our lives and the lives of those we touch be drawn closer to you. Through the grace of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. I invite you to sing uh, together the chorus, and you can remain seated for this. Uh, Sweet, sweet spirit. very large dog walks into a butcher shop and he's carrying a purse in his mouth and he puts the purse down and he sits in front of the meat case and the butcher jokingly asks what is it boy want to buy some meat wolf barks the dog hmm says the butcher what kind liver bacon steak wolf the dog interrupts how much steak half a pound A pound? Woof! Amazed, the butcher wraps up the meat and he finds the money in the dog's purse. As the dog leaves, the butcher decides to follow him. The dog enters an apartment house. He climbs to the third floor and he begins scratching at the door. The door swings open and an angry man comes out and starts shouting at the dog. Stop, yells the butcher. He's the most intelligent animal I've ever seen. Intelligent, says the man. This is the third time this week he's forgotten his key. (laughs) I was hoping that wasn't lost on you. It was for me. I had to read that like twice before I got it. Now we might assume from this story that the dog's owner wasn't a very thankful person, right? Uh, Let me contrast that with another story. It's about a woman named Pam who worked downtown Chicago, and every morning she encountered a heavy-set middle-aged woman in a shabby coat 
they're soliciting spare change in front of this old brick church building. And she uh, greeted everyone with a smile and a pleasant good morning. And almost every morning, Pam reached in her wallet and gave her um, something. After almost a year of that routine, the woman in the shabby coat one day disappears. And uh, Pam often wondered what happened to her. Then one beautiful day, uh, she's there all of a sudden in the front of the church again, still wearing the same shabby coat, and Pam came along and reached into her purse and uh, got her usual donation out, and the woman stopped her, and she said, thank you, thank you so much for helping me all of these days. Uh, you won't see me uh, again because I finally got a job. And with that, she reached into her bag and she handed Pat, Pam a wrapped donut. She had been standing on that spot uh, waiting uh, for all the people she recognized to come by so that she could give them a gift. She had a grateful heart. Listen to this story um, about thankfulness from Luke's Gospel, the 17th chapter. As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria, and as he entered a village there, ten men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as he went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus, shouting, Praise God! And he fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, Stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. So what is it that we learn from this story today about having a grateful heart? Now let me suggest four things. First, we can be thankful even if we are in difficult circumstances in our life. This kind of thankfulness is what true faith is made of. We can read the story rather quickly, just eight verses, and the most of us have heard this story before. So let me slow it down and invite you to picture this scene with me. We start with ten men who have the most, or the, probably the worst disease of their day. The physical ramifications of leprosy were horrendous. Leprosy attacks the body. It leaves sores, missing fingers, missing toes, Damaged limbs, in many cases, the initial pain of leprosy gives way to something even more terrible that lasts, and that is this loss of sensation in all the nerve endings, leading to more damage, more body parts. The disease can take about 30 years to run its course. And in that time span, entire limbs can fall off. It is for sure a horrible disease. We have nearly an impossible task in trying to imagine what it was like 2,000 years ago when medical treatment as we know it today was non-existent. In the book, Jesus, the one and only, the author tells of an occasion when 
she had uh, the opportunity to be near a modern-day leper colony, something within her always had wanted to go and minister in a leper colony. And now her trip overseas had given her the first opportunity to be in such a place, and she walked by the entrance three times. She saw those who were there suffering. She tried to force herself to go inside, but she couldn't do it. The reason? The smell. The smell overwhelmed her. She could not work up the stomach to go inside that leper colony. She could not bear the thought of, wit of not witnessing for the Lord, but at the same time she knew that she would become violently ill. She faced these human beings uh, in such a condition. And the trip ended for her, and she was never able to go inside. I think we gain a new appreciation of how bad this disease must have been in the days of Jesus. It wasn't uh, just the grotesque damage or the unsightly ulcerations. It wasn't just hearing the cries of help. It was the smell of rotting, decaying flesh. The emotional pain of a leper must have been even worse than the physical pain. They were removed from their family, from their uh, community. There could be no contact whatsoever with their children, with their grandchildren. None. And when they were diagnosed, they were immediately removed. Their spouse would not even be allowed to kiss them goodbye. They would not have been, been allowed for fear that the spouse, too, would become infected. You see, lepers tended to roam together, looking for food and begging for assistance from a distance, learning to yell in loud voices, from the need to warn others that they were a leper and also to beg for help. And what would have been like, uh, what would it have been like to have been removed from family and friends, not just for a year or so during COVID? We know what that's like, isn't it? The pandemic has created some distance between us and our families. But this was for a lifetime. A lifetime. They'd been. Um, and, and to have to be forced to announce that they're a leper, be, that they were not, to, no one was to come near them, must have been terrible. And yet in this account, 10 men encounter Jesus and they hear him say something very unusual. He, uh, they're, they're saying, we want to be well, Jesus, we want to be well. And the great teacher simply responds, hey, go show yourself to the priest. Now, the local priest had duties other than leading worship on the Sabbath. He was also something of a health official. If a person was miraculously healed of leprosy, it was up to the priest to inspect the body, to test for complete removal of the disease and announce that that person had been healed. In such cases, the person would have been cleansed, and at that point, it would have been fine for the leper to see their spouse again or hold their daughter again to look for work again, and if the priest gave the okay, they would be healed. Now Jesus says to these lepers, go and show yourself to the priests. They look down at their bodies. <laughs> the hands of one man are still mangled. Another man looks where his leg used to be and nothing but filthy rags hanging at his knee. Another looks at his skin and it's as repulsive as ever. In other words, all of these men 
were no better off than they were 10 minutes ago when they first spotted the famous preacher. What did Jesus mean by go show yourself to the priest? Nothing had changed. And yet they headed off in the direction of the priest. And on their way, they were healed. On their way, they were healed. On their way, a hand reappeared and tingled with new life. On their way, a crutch tripped on a filthy rag as it fell to the ground, and the leg was back, and it was healthy, and it was whole, and it was complete. The skin began to clear, and the tiny hairs on a forearm turned from snow white to brown again. The lepers looked at each other, and the screaming started. The smiles broke into cheering and a sweet madness, and they raced off in the distance, not believing that this nightmare was finally over. But in order for the miracle to happen, these men had to start walking by faith before the circumstances changed one little bit. They had to move. They had to follow Jesus' command. Is there a more potent lesson for us on this Consecration Sunday? We cannot wait till all of our problems in life are over to start walking in faith. We cannot put conditions on a holy God we cannot say, Lord, as soon as I have enough money, I'll follow your instructions and I'll give something to my church. We cannot pray, Lord, if you'll just solve this big issue in my life and then I'll start going to church again. See, we don't put conditions on God. Instead, God places a demand for faith on us before anything else changes. God might say, I want you to love me in spite of your disease. Obey me despite your lack of talent, in spite of the lack of resources. Follow me now despite all that's going on in your life. Say no to that temptation while it's still difficult. Praise me in the darkest night and in the worst of circumstances. See, that's the nature of God. A God who loves us so much, he'll give us the opportunity to be thankful when nothing about our circumstances in life gives us that motivation. This is the very definition of faith. If we praise God only on the good days, only in the best of circumstances, it would not be faith at all. That would be more like a business arrangement, and learning to have a grateful heart is not about business. Some of you may be in horrible circumstances in your life right now, and what awaits you today or this week is forcing the question, will you be thankful? Will you be thankful despite the difficult circumstances? Will you demonstrate your gratitude even if you're worried about your financial situation? If, if so, you will have experienced faith. While on a short-term mission trip to Africa several years ago, a pastor was leading worship at a leper colony, and this time uh, it was time for one more song, so he asked if anybody in the, in the room had a request. And a woman who had been facing away from the pulpit turned around. It was the most hideous face I've ever seen, the 
pastor said. The woman's nose and ears were entirely gone. The disease had destroyed her lips as well, but she lifted her fingerless hand in the air and she said, can we sing, count your many blessings? Overcome with emotion, the pastor left the service. He was followed by a team member who said, Jack, I guess you'll never be able to sing that song again, will you? And he said, oh, yes, I will but I will never sing it the same way. Now, secondly, we can be thankful in the work of God's goodness. The kind of goodness, this kind of goodness is what true worship is all about. Luke tells us that one of the men came back to Jesus and praised God because he was thankful. He was public about it. He was loud. He wasn't shy about it at all. Why was he so loud? Well, this guy had been forced to yell for so long that he had leprosy to warn others. It may have been years. He probably yelled so long he didn't know he he could come to the Lord quietly or even in a normal voice. And when he came back, he fell at the feet of Jesus and he was louder than the normal person and he was just praising God. And there is an amazingly short application point here. This week, I invite you to be sure you take time to acknowledge God's goodness in your life. Be sure to actually be thankful. Be sure to offer a real prayer of thankfulness for all that God has given you and all that God has done in your life. Don't miss the opportunity to worship God this week. Be bold about it. You might have a really busy week coming up or you might have some time off or you might have a stack of honeydew chores at home waiting to, for you, or you, you've got yard work to get done or some shopping to do. Maybe you're traveling for your job or hosting a family barbecue. Whatever it is, get it done, but take time to give thanks. See, it's possible to get all the way through another week or another season without ever stopping to be thankful. Don't do that. Commit it. Commit to it, do it regularly, because that's what true worship is all about. Now, third, we can make sure our thankfulness leads to action. One healed leper came back. One caught himself in the midst of the celebration and returned to Jesus. He reversed his steps. He put his family on hold. He put the priest on hold. He came back to the cause of his celebration. His response and life situation were unique, but in the simple, simplest sense, he, he did all of this because his thankfulness led to action. And he did whatever he had to do to come back and say thank you to Jesus. That was important. Where are the other nine, Jesus asked. Do you realize what this says? Jesus says, go and show yourself to the priest. Jesus never commanded that any of them express thankfulness to God or return to him. Nonetheless, we give a sense that that's what Jesus expected. What kind of action is Jesus looking for from us? Has God's Spirit been urging you towards some action step in your life? Has the Lord been tugging at your heart saying, you know, I need to take this step of faith? Is there a family member, a friend, or even a stranger in need of help that you can offer? Is there something you feel compelled to do? My best advice, based on what Jesus was looking for some 2,000 years ago, is to take that step of action. Assume that God is the one who's pulling you toward that area 
or that action and get it done. Now, fourth, we can have a lifestyle of thankfulness, a lifestyle of wellness. Look at the scripture again and walk with me through this one more time. We're going to look at three different words that we're all trying to say the same thing. They're all saying that this leper used to be well. Look first at verse 15. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, now stop there. This Greek word here is hyatha, which is a purely medical term. It means to mend or to repair. It's like a broken bone finally mending. This guy is all patched up. Look at verse 17. Jesus asked, didn't I heal 10 men? Stop there. This is a different word than hyatha. It's Katharizo, the root word for our word catheter. It too is a medical word in part for it means to remove the impurities. You know, when a doctor inserts a heart cath, angioplasty might remove a blockage in an artery. It will ultimately cause healing. Naturally, the Jewish connotations of this word are important too. To be cleansed was, was exactly what the priest would be looking for and would declare. It carried some religious overtones. Now look at one more word, verse 19. And Jesus said to the men, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Healed you. Made you well. This is a different word. Again, it's not a medical word necessarily, although it was used to describe sometimes the safe delivery of a baby. This is the word sozo, which means saved. The Greek used... Uh, the Greeks used it for people who escaped dangerous situations. Sailors surviving a storm at sea had been saved. They said, Sozo. When Matthew began his gospel, he started with the Christmas story. The angel told Joseph to name the Christ child Jesus because that name meant he would, what? Save his people from their sins. He would Sozo the people. When Paul described what would happen to a person who publicly professed Jesus as Lord and Savior, he used the same word. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Sozo. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Sozo. Romans 10, 9 and 10. And Jesus says, this to the very thankful man who was willing to follow God before his circumstances changed to worship God before he even returned home. Jesus pronounces a complete healing, a wellness that passes all other wellness terms. And this man, Jesus says, he understands, he gets it. But do we understand? That's the question. Remember that a priest must make a declaration that a leper had been healed. There were great details involved in this process. There were details of what a priest was to look for and how a person with this disease could be readmitted to the community, healed and whole. But did you know that in our record of the Old Testament and the New Testament, every single healing of a leper came by supernatural means? Now think about this. There were great details about what would happen if a leper came, became naturally well, but it never happened as far as we know? Perhaps people suspected of leprosy were pronounced clean when their skin rash cleared up. Perhaps 
Someone with a mild infection ran the course of the sickness and was readmitted, but according to the records of the Bible, no real leper was ever naturally cured. This was a lifetime sentence of pain and exclusion. But there are some healings. We remember the story of the sister of Moses who had leprosy for a week and was miraculously cured. A man named Naaman was cured miraculously, and that's it in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, however, Jesus heals lepers as if they had mild colds and had the right, and he had the right medicine for their illness. Jesus continued the practice of healing lepers supernaturally. It is another way of God saying, this is my Messiah. This is the Christ. This is Emmanuel. God is with you, for God alone heals leprosy. And Jesus was healing lepers as if he had the power, which he did. He was the Son of God, God in human flesh, God worthy of our worship. Let me give you another reason to love this Jesus, another proof that he loves you no matter who you are, what you've done, where you've been. It's a story recorded quickly in Matthew's Gospel, the eighth chapter. A leper approaches Jesus, stopping at a required distance. He kneels before Jesus and he begs for help. And at the very sight of him, there's this repulsiveness, a smell of that was revolting. People gasped, people backed away. Some surely commanded him to clear the roadway, not put Jesus at risk. Get away, get away, get away. And Matthew writes that Jesus reached out his hand and touched this man. And a moment later, he tells us that Jesus spoke the words, be clean, go show yourself to the priest. Did you see both miracles? The leprosy was gone. That's the easy miracle to see, but there's another one. It was the touch of a loving hand. It was the touch of a human hand. Today, most of us might touch more people in an hour, or at least we did pre-COVID, than this man touched in years. Today, we can be close to friends and family, and, or at least we hope to be, and uh, maybe have a grandchild even sit in our lap. We can be greeted by a smile at, at the door, a firm handshake from a friend. Not this guy. He longed for a loving touch more than he longed for food. More than he needed water, he needed love. And before he was healed, there was this tremendous risk. Jesus was willing to give him that touch. No abuse had sc has scarred our lives so badly that Jesus won't touch us at the, our point of need. Jesus is willing to loving, lovingly touch us or hold us or restore us. No sin has made us unlovable. Jesus is willing to call us his friend. He's willing to stand beside us. His death paid for our sins. And there is no fear that disqualifies us. No problem has put our life on hold. No failure has negated God's love toward us. The true miracle is the love that Jesus has for each and every one of us. That's the miracle. No exceptions, no qualifications, no doubts. God loves us unconditionally. And for that, we give him our thanks. And we give him our lives. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we know that we have neglected to thank you 
for so many blessings in our life. You've blessed us and waited for us to run back to you with uh, our thanks, and we've simply gone another way. We've taken you for granted. Forgive us. Put thankfulness into our heart and into our soul. Let us speak of it. Let us sing of it. Let's live it so that we might be a visible example of one who has been totally healed. Totally healed. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. We're going to share in uh, the sacrament this morning. And uh, just uh, as a reminder, in every moment of our life, we know that God is with us. Um, whether we are stuck in a world of doubt or standing on the solid rock of faith, God is in every place to teach us, to surprise us, and to forgive us. We're invited today to come to the table and to bring our fears, our doubts, our bitterness, our worries. Let God transform us through his grace, through his grace, and replace all of those other things with hope and with joy. You are invited to this table today. Uh, it's an open communion. Today we just have to do it a little different uh, as we have been the last few months. Uh, we'll take the communion elements one at a time out of the package and uh, in just a moment um, uh, that are provided there and we'll share uh, in these in the Lord's Supper. And, uh, and after we complete communion, Today, um, the ushers will come down the aisle for your commitment cards uh, as part of this. Normally, we would have us walk and maybe do all of this, but today we'll do it a little bit different. Um, let's pray together. God, you lead us through our fears into a future of wonder and hope. Today, we come and open our hearts to the one who journeys with us in the past, in the present, and even into tomorrow. Your word tells us that uh, you go before us, preparing a table piled high with grace and peace, and you fill us with goodness and mercy. At creation, you stretched out your hand and parted away through the chaos so that your goodness might come forth. You even created a paradise for those who were created in your own image. But we decided to live life ourselves every day, turning your dreams for us into ashes and over your overflowing love into despair. So out of pity, you sent the prophets who were pillars of faithfulness, but we rejected their words. And so you finally sent Jesus to lead us through the evil of this world to that freedom that is only found in your kingdom. So on this day, when we stand in your grace around your table and consecrate our gifts of love, we join our hearts with all those who would offer praise to the one who saves us. Thank you for Jesus who when we were weak in faith came to strengthen us with hope, when we were slaves to sin came to lead us to the promised land, when our hearts became like stone, softened them with compassion, and when we could only focus on ourselves, came to die for us. So as we gather at your table, we remember Christ's love for us, his patience with us, his hope in our willingness to be your disciples and his trust in those of us who are trying to live out this faith. God, send your spirit upon these simple elements of bread and cup, and as we share the bread, we share the presence of Christ and are strengthened to go out in forgiveness, with forgiveness in our hearts. As we share the cup, may we also share Christ's spirit with our neighbors, especially those who are hurting and are in need. 
And as you have gathered your children to lead them in days past, so bring all of us to yourself this day. Seat us around your heart so that we may feast on your love and lift our hearts to you in praise forever. And it's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Take the, take the bread at first. The body of Christ given for you. Eat and give thanks. And then the cup. The reminder that Christ's blood was shed for us. The cup of salvation given for you. Gracious Lord, thank you for your gifts and the blessing that you are in our lives. Help us to be worthy servants who serve others in your name. Amen. I'm going to uh, ask our ushers uh, if they would come at this time. And if you have your cards ready, uh, and they'll come down each aisle, and you can just hold it out to the aisle. And then, they will gladly pick those up for you today. And thank you again for all of uh, your blessings to this church through the years. Um, just let me share some announcements with you quickly this morning. Um, there is a, a May, Thursday, May 6th is National Day of Prayer. Um, and I know uh, you may or may not be aware of that. It's not, uh, no, it's not uh, uh, spoken much of in our culture today, uh, but we continue to observe the National Day of Prayer, and just be reminded that uh, it is a time to pray for our nation and our leadership, and uh, there are some cards out on the, the little stand uh, just outside uh, the window into Marie's office there in the lobby. Uh, if you'd like to pick up a card, they have some prayer reminders and prompts on there, things that you could be praying for this week, so we invite you to pick one of those up uh, before you leave today. No other announcement? Okay. Let me share uh, just quickly. Some of you ask about um, uh, my health, and I know I haven't been here a lot with you. And, again, my gratitude to Beth. Beth uh, got a call from me last Saturday night about 9.30, 10 o'clock in the evening. <laughs> and uh, and uh, maybe she shared that with you. So I, I certainly appreciate her backup. Um, there's a couple of ways that we can do um, backup if, for some reason, I couldn't be here on a Sunday morning. Um, and one of the another way that we've uh, uh, sorted out that we're able to do is to simply stream uh, the service out of the DeWitt campus, which is being streamed at 9.30 each Sunday morning. So you would get to hear Pastor Debbie. Um, you would get this whole service. I didn't want to do that to you without at least some prior acknowledgement that that might be a possibility some Sunday if I couldn't be here at the last minute. Um, but... Um, 
I'm still take, doing some tests with the doctor this week and still trying to figure out some of the issues involved, so uh, hang in there. Uh, hopefully, I'm uh, making some progress and uh, would love to be here every week with you, but I, I just can't always predict that from week to week. Um, on May, next week is Mother's Day weekend, and Mary Grace is going to be able to join her family in Louisiana for next weekend, and uh, there was a death in the family as well, so it's kind of a mixed thing, but going back to be able to be with her family, um, and then uh, we uh, found out this week that she's been selected as a pianist for Interlochen um, this summer for a couple of months, so she's going to take some time off, but uh, Bev Christensen has agreed to come next weekend and then be here through most of the summer as well with us, like she did uh, before Mary Grace came to join us. So uh, we're, I think we're covered, uh, but uh, we're certainly happy. This is a great honor for her to be able to do that, and uh, uh, glad that uh, we're able to uh, help support that. Um, on the 23rd of May... Um, Beth will do the service entirely that day. I need to be at the DeWitt campus. We have about 23 high school seniors uh, in that service on, on that Sunday, so I will join Pastor Debbie there, uh, but Beth will be here uh, as well. So then I think that I'm catching you up on a little bit of news from the next couple of weeks, uh, so thank you. It's good to see uh, the seats full, uh, you know, almost full this morning, just to see so many of you here. It's good to be back, and it's good to be with you. Um, so we're going to close our worship this morning with the song, Lead On, O King Eternal. Do you know that one? Okay, good, good. I want to hear you sing. So if you're able to stand, feel free to stand, and we'll close our worship with that.
As you go from this place today, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.